Hey everyone, today I'm going to be doing another news roundup. News roundups are quickly becoming my favorite thing to record. It started out as more and more reviews. I loved reviews, but now that there's actually more news, now that things are kind of starting back up again, it's so fun to talk about all the news. Because when I started doing news roundups, there was like nothing. It was like grasping at the smallest little stories. And now I can actually sift through and I can be like, eh, this isn't as important. Or, ooh, I want to talk about this one. Like there's a big selection of news now. And I think that's just pretty awesome. So um, we're just going to go through everything I have picked out. I'm recording this on Saturday, August 21st. We're going to talk about later, but in the days before this episode comes out, I have a feeling we're going to get some pretty massive news. Um, and if you're listening to this and I'm right, well, then you know what I'm talking about. So I will definitely be talking about that in the next news roundup. If what I think is going to happen does happen um, in the next couple of days. So let's get started with kind of the castings. Uh, so Alex Lothar, who is known from End of the Effing World, has been cast in Andor. We have no other details about his role in the upcoming Star Wars Disney Plus series. Now, I'm not familiar with Alex Lothar's work, but I'm really looking forward to Andor a lot more than some other series. I think it's going to be a really big, of course, it's Star Wars, so it can't be totally, but I think it's going to be for a Star Wars show, kind of a sleeper hit. I think people are going to be so excited for Obi-Wan Kenobi and Mandalorian season three that they're not going to be as interested or as anticipating Andor. And I just think it's going to be really, really good. And it's going to really surprise people and be amazing. What I'm excited about with this show is the spy thriller aspect of it, getting to see the darker and the grittier underbelly of the rebellion. I think Cassian Andor is a really interesting character because if you remember that scene in Rogue One, he meets up with an informant and then the informant um, is getting in his way or something isn't the informant can get out of there fast enough. So he kills his own informant. Um, and I love how he's a character who will do the morally wrong things for the right cause for the rebellion. And I think he's a, he's an interesting hero because we have star Wars heroes, a lot of just really good ones, really bad ones or bad ones, a lot of bad ones that start bad, but then just turn good. Um, and I'd like to see someone who is more mixed like Cassian Andor takes center stage in a Star Wars story. Plus, Diego Luna is just a fantastic actor, and I hope this is a much more grittier Star Wars show, and I can't wait to see this. Clancy Brown from Shawshank Redemption, Thor Ragnarok, and The Mandalorian, and much more, has joined John Wick 4. I was already really excited for this movie, um, but each new casting increases my excitement. From Hiroyuki Sonata to Donnie Yen and now Clancy Brown, I really can't wait for this movie. Clancy's a really talented actor, and I can't wait to see him in this. He's a really good actor. If you, He's one of those people that not a lot of people know who he is. But then you mentioned some of his characters, like he was the guard in Shawshank Redemption. He voiced Savage Opress. He voiced uh, Searcher. He was a character in Mandalorian. He's been in a ton of stuff, and he's got a really distinctive voice. And then people are like, oh, I remember that guy. Um, he's a great actor. Next up, Scarlett Johansson has joined Wes Anderson's new film, joining the likes of Margot Robbie, Tom Hanks, Adrian Brody, Bill Murray, and Jason Schwartzman, Tilda Swinton, and Rupert Friend. There's more. Um, I mean, first of all, Scarlett Johansson just can't seem to stay out of the news, can she? From having a baby to suing Disney to joining a new Wes Anderson movie, um, she's everywhere. I think this is a stacked cast. Like, the amount of talent in this movie is insane. Um I haven't seen many Wes Anderson movies and the ones I have seen, it's been years and years. So I can't even remember them, but I'm definitely going to see the French dispatch when that comes out. And then I'm planning to go back and see some of his older movies, some of his uh, famous ones. And I'm hoping to have time to catch up on those. 
Um, and I'm definitely interested in this movie purely because of the cast and because of the fact that Wes Anderson is such a fantastic director. So I'm curious about this one. This one is not an official casting, but it's kind of casting adjacent. So I thought might as well talk about it. Um, Star Wars Disney Plus series Ahsoka has started looking for someone to cast as Sabine Wren, who is the character from Star Wars Rebels. Um, if you've heard me talk about it, I can't wait for the Ahsoka series. Ahsoka is one of, if not my favorite Star Wars character. And I really liked Rosario Dawson's portrayal of her in Mandalorian season two. Also, the fact that the show is written by Dave Filoni and will most likely be directed by him, at least partly, is great. Plus the fact that Thrawn and Ezra will most likely be in the show, and this will pick up on the events of Star Wars Rebels and the kind of cliffhanger that show ended on. I I can't wait for this. Sabine Wren is a really good character, a really underrated character too, and I think it makes a lot of sense for her to be a prominent supporting character in this show. Um, I don't have anyone in mind who I would want to cast as her. I, there's not a clear choice like I feel like there was for Rokatan, there was for Ahsoka, there was for, for uh, Thrawn, there was for Ezra. Um, so I just hope Lucasfilm can find the right person to play her. But um, we'll just have to wait and see. And you bet when, whenever that news comes out that she's been cast, I'll be speaking about it here. Anthony Mackie has officially signed on to play Captain America Sam Wilson in Marvel's Captain America 4 movie. This is not a surprise at all. Since the beginning, we all assumed this would happen. It just makes sense. But it's glad to hear that it's official. It's confirmed. Um, I love Sam as Captain America. And I really can't wait for this. Like we got to see in Falcon and Winter Soldier, he has what it takes to be Captain America because he doesn't jump right into fighting. He he's tries to solve any issues by speaking first and tries to avoid violence as much as possible. But then also when he needs to fight, he's not invincible, but he's such a cool fighter in terms of like, the creative ways he used his wings, and I hope we see a lot of that. I also hope Captain America 4 picks up on the storylines of Falcon and Winter Soldier with Sharon Carter, you know how I feel about that twist, and with John Walker, because those were two, uh, two parts of the show I'd like to see more of. Uh, in other news, Warner Brothers has a Black Canary project in development starring Journey Smollett from Birds of Prey and written by Misha Green, who did Lovecraft Country on HBO Max. I know a lot of people love Lovecraft Country, I haven't seen it, so I'm not really familiar with Misha's work, but I I feel like people are so mixed on this movie, but I loved, absolutely loved Birds of Prey. Uh, mind you, I've only seen it once, and I can't remember it very well. I just remember loving it. It's definitely one I need to rewatch because I can't remember Black Canary too well, but I'm really looking forward to seeing this, and I really, really remember loving Birds of Prey. Um, but I've heard people who hate it and think it's horrible, and then I've heard people who love it like me, so I really want to rewatch it again and see and see if I feel any differently about it, because I'm trying to see the point of view of people who hate it. And right now, I just don't understand it, because I really, really loved it. Um, So next up, Marvel has hired Yasir Lester as the head writer of Armor Wars, which is the show starring Don Cheadle as James Rhodes as War Machine. I'm not familiar with Yasir's work, but I'm really looking forward to this. Um, I hope we get Justin Hammer back. That's one thing. That's a request I have for this show. Justin Hammer was one of the best parts of Iron Man 2. Sam Rockwell is a fantastic actor, and I'd really, really love to see him back. It just makes a lot of sense. Um, I love the character of Rhodey, and Don Cheadle is a great actor, so I'm happy to see him getting more of a spotlight. Marvel has had so many great side characters played by such great actors who they're now giving the chance to shine, and I just love that because I love to get seeing Wanda and Vision get their chance to shine. Falcon the Winter Soldier, uh, Loki even, uh, War Machine now. We're getting a Hawkeye show. Hawkeye especially has been so underrated. So I just can't wait. I love this. 
it's been confirmed. We've talked about this when it was a rumor. And I said that this was a rumor I believed to be true when I thought it made sense. And I was right. It's been confirmed that Ironheart will be introduced first in Black Panther Wakanda Forever before appearing in her own show. I talked about this in my last news roundup. I thought it was a genius idea. Introduce the character first in the huge, guaranteed, gigantic movie. So then people are like, oh, I like that character. And then when people see the show, they're like, oh, it's the character from Black Panther. I want I liked her. Let's see what this is. Um, I just think it's a really smart idea. It's smart. Creatively, we'll see how she fits into the movie. But like, just from a business perspective, from like a Disney corporate perspective, looking at this, it just makes a lot of sense. Um, next up, Warner Brothers has made a deal with AMC Theaters, which cuts the theatrical window down to 45 days. This is no surprise. This is going to become the new industry standard. I'm actually kind of happy with this because it feels to me like a good compromise. Films can have their exclusive theatrical run so they can be seen in the way they're meant to be seen in the theaters. But then after an amount of time, they can go to on demand and streaming 45 days later. So if you want to wait, if somebody wanted to wait for a movie, they could. But there's still that 45 days that does motivate them to get to the theaters because they're going to feel like they're missing out if they don't see it in those days. I think this should become the new standard. I would even be okay with the window shrinking to 30 days, but less than 30 days could be tough for theaters. So I don't know, but I have nothing against this news. I think it makes sense. I think it's pretty obvious that it's going to be a new standard. Um, so makes a lot of sense. Um, Samuel L. Jackson has seemingly, seemingly keyword there, confirmed that Nick Fury will appear in the Marvels before Secret Invasion. This makes a lot of sense and gets me really excited. The chemistry and the dynamic between Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson in Captain Marvel was one of the best parts of that movie, and I'm hoping we see a lot more of it. The Marvels is one of my most anticipated upcoming MCU movies, um, so I really can't wait. I think it's going to be really, really good, and I think it's going to tie in with Secret Invasion a lot, and I probably lead into Secret Invasion, may, or maybe they'll connect or come out around the same time and be like an interconnected story, but they're definitely going to be connected somehow, and I think it makes a lot of sense. And I can't wait for it. Next up, Marvel Studios has multiple new animated series in development. In addition to What If, I think I honestly think this is, again, is another genius move. Um, if you've been listening to my reviews, then you know I've been loving What If so far. Um, Marvel Studios has already proven that they can do animation well. And I think that what they can do with the animation that they can't do with live action is they can explore all sorts of different things that they wouldn't do in live action because it's either too weird too risky or too expensive or like they don't want to put a hundred million dollars to make a show based on this crazy wacky comic storyline um but they could put less money into it and do it for disney plus uh on an animated show and i think they could adapt a ton of marvel comic storylines that'll never make it to the live action mcu and i think that's really smart and i hope they do that because even though we've had more than 10 years of mcu storytelling and even longer of marvel storytelling we've really barely even scratched the surface of the depth of characters and storylines and th and just content within the Marvel Comics library. We've also seen Star Wars animation prove to be extremely successful and be able to do animated shows adjacent to the movies that are the same level of quality. I even contend that Clone Wars is better than a lot of Star Wars movies, so I wholeheartedly believe Marvel can do the same. Um, and this news just puts a smile on my face because I'm a huge Marvel fan, as you know, and I just can't wait to see what they do with this. I think it's super smart. Um, in non-Marvel or Star Wars news, Disney Plus's Home Alone reboot, starring Ellie Kemper, Rob Delaney, Kenan Thompson, and Archie Yates, has set a November 12th release date. Um, I, I'm mixed on my feelings about this movie. So 
Home Alone is such a classic and it's such a good movie that I'm really reluctant about a, a reboot. We've seen a lot of pretty horrible reboots and some good ones, but I'm not really, I can't get excited for this because I don't think anything will be able to live up to the original Home Alone. But that said, I'm definitely interested and I'll definitely give this a watch. Archie Yates played um, not Jojo, but his friend in Jojo Rabbit. And he was really, really funny in that. And he was great in that. So he's one of the things that interests me about this movie. I'd like to see him as the main character. So I can't wait to see that. So this is a movie I'll definitely watch and we'll see how it is. Next up, Star Wars' Obi-Wan Kenobi show has reportedly completed filming and is beginning the transition into post-production. I cannot wait for Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's probably the my most anticipated of every single upcoming Disney Plus series, Marvel and Star Wars, and probably my most anticipated series, period. More than the Lord of the Rings Amazon show, more than any DC series, more than pretty much anything. Like Deborah Chow is directing it. She directed my two favorite episodes, literally my favorite episodes from Mandalorian season one, were the episodes she directed, which were episode three and episode seven. And she's a really good director. And I just really can't wait for this. Um, I'm so excited for the future of Star Wars because we know that the Book of Boba Fett is in post-production. We've got Mandalorian season three starting filming in the next month. Um, Andor is probably done filming or very close. Bad Batch season two is in production. We've got Star Wars Visions coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, we're totally spoiled. And I'm so excited for everything coming. Like Ahsoka right now, I'd assume they're probably done writing it. And I'm guessing they're probably doing some pre-production storyboards and previs and stuff planning and getting ready for that. Like, I, I really can't wait. So next up, uh, Ben Kingsley, who played the fake Mandarin in Iron Man 3, has been confirmed to be reprising his role in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And I absolutely loved this news. As a movie fan, I love the twist that the Mandarin Iron Man 3 was not the real Mandarin. And as a Marvel fan, I was disappointed that we weren't going to see the real Mandarin. But now that we know that we're getting the real Mandarin in this movie, I can't wait to see what they do with this fake Mandarin and how they tie it all together. Because I have a feeling it's going to like connect to original Iron Man. It's going to connect to Iron Man 3. And they're going to explain how the Ten Rings works and how this all makes sense. And it's all going to be come together in a really cool way and everyone in the theater who knows this stuff is going to be like oh that's so cool like I really think it's going to be awesome so I can't wait to see Ben Kingsley in Shang-Chi I'm sure it'll be a small role but I'm really excited to see how they explain the Ten Rings and and him being the fake Mandarin in Iron Man 3 and I'm sure after this movie everyone will look on Iron look back on Iron Man 3 a little more fondly and that's just the Marvel way like Marvel is so good at retroactively adding things to canon and making changing things and adding storylines in the future that make you look back on the previous movies better like age of ultron i feel like has aged so well because all the ways you look back on it and you see them setting up this and this and this and you already know how it plays out and it just it makes the movie better um so it makes the movie seem a lot better so i i really think marvel's good at that and i think they're going to do it again Next up, Star Wars has dropped a trailer for its next show, Star Wars Visions, and revealed the cast. Um, I did a trailer reaction a few days ago. I'm recording this on Saturday. I did trailer reaction in the last week. So if you go back in the feed, if you're on podcast, you can't. But if you go on YouTube and go back in the feed, you'll be able to see that. I think this is a genius idea. I think this looks amazing. 
Um, I've talked at length about why I think Star Wars Visions is a genius idea, so I don't want to repeat myself again here. Um, but I'm just going to read out the voice cast for the English dub of this of this uh, show because it's a lot more stacked than I expected it to be. So for the duel, we've got Brian T as Ronan, Lucy Liu as the bandit leader, and Jaden Waldman as villain's chief. I'm only familiar with Lucy Liu, but she's a big name. For Tatooine Rhapsody, we have Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Jay, Bobby Moynihan as Geezer, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I think everyone knows, Bobby Moynihan um, is pretty famous too. He's done some Star Wars animation voices before. Tamara Morrison as Boba Fett, everyone knows that. Shelby Young as K-344, I recognize Shelby Young. Mark Thompson, who is a Star Wars audiobook legend, he's really awesome, um, is voicing Lan or L-A-N. Um, for the twins, Neil Patrick Harris is voicing Kare. Allison Bree is voicing Am, and Jonathan Lipbow is voicing B20N. Again, a lot of big names. For the Village Bride, Karen Fukuhara, Nicole Sakura, uh, Christopher Sean, who was Star Wars Resistance, uh, Terry Hiroyuki Tagawa, Andrew Kishino, who is Saw Gerrera, and Stephanie She are all part of the cast. In The Ninth Jedi, we have Kamiku Glenn, Andrew Kishino again, Simu Liu, who is Shang-Chi, Masioka, Greg Chun, Neil Kaplan, and Michael Sinterniklas are all part of the cast. For TOB1, you have Jaden Waldman, Kyle Chandler from Friends, of course, um, are both in that one. And then in Elder, we have Jordan Fisher, who's famous. James Hong is a legend. Um, if you don't know who James Hong is, look him up. He's a voice actor who's been in hundreds, hundreds of projects. I think he's the most prolific voice actor ever, and he's he's pretty amazing. He's been in Clone Wars and Rebels before. For Lope Binocho, we have Anna Cathcart, Hiromi Dames, Paul Nakauchi, Paul Nakauchi, Kyle McCarley. I'm not familiar with any of them. For Akakiri, we have Henry Golding, who, of course, was in Crazy Rich Asians and also in the new Snake Eyes movie. We have Jamie Chung, George Takai, um, Keone Young, and Lorraine Toussaint. Um, so a lot of big names in there, and I was really surprised. So I really can't wait for Star Wars Visions. It's a smart idea. The cast sounds great. Uh, the trailer looked great. Really can't wait for it. In other trailer news, we had the new Eternals trailer. Now for this one, I think some people might have been wondering, why didn't I do a live reaction to this trailer? And there's a couple of reasons. Reason number one was just I was busy that day and I knew I wasn't going to have time to do it. And reason number two was knowing that I was busy that day and seeing it right there on my phone. I didn't have the willpower to wait. So I just watched the trailer then and there. Um, and that trailer was amazing. That trailer was so good. I honestly think Eternals is my most anticipated Marvel movie of 2021. Eternals and Dune are my most anticipated movies of 2021. I honestly think Eternals is going to be a masterpiece. Nomadland, I think a lot of the general audience, here's what I think. I think there's kind of a rift with Chloe Zhao's movies between the general audience and the movie fans. And then we'll talk about Marvel fans versus movie fans. I think with the general audience, with Nomadland, I think the general audience, the general general audience watched the movie and said, it was really good. I liked it. It was good. I think movie fans and then some of the general audience who knows a little more, I think watched that movie and was like, mind blown. That is a masterpiece. And that was me because looking at that movie, it is, it's just a technical masterpiece on every level. It's an acting masterpiece. It's so well done. And I have a feeling that's how Eternals is going to be. 
where we've already seen Marvel fans and general audiences look at the Eternals trailers and be like, eh, looks bland. Uh, it's going to be fine. Um, or even there's even a sense of like people thinking Eternals is going to be Marvel's first big flop, their first bad movie based on the trailers. But then as a movie fan, knowing Chloe Zhao and then looking at the trailer, um, I couldn't be more excited. I honestly think this movie will be a masterpiece. And I think the general audience are not going to be expecting it to be very good because they're kind of going to think it's going to be eh, bland. And then people are going to see it. And then I think people are going to really, really like it. And people are going to realize how good it really is. And there's already been some rumblings that this is going to possibly be an Oscar contender. There's been some rumblings that um, the internally in Marvel, Kevin Feige, the president, and a lot of other people think it's their best movie they've ever made. There's been some rumblings that it's one of the best comic book movies ever made. So I, I really think it's going to be a masterpiece. So I can't wait for Eternals. Next up, we've got some Shang-Chi reviews. And let me just tell you, okay, so the movie comes out in September 7th, I want to say. The first, the premiere happened a week, about a week ago. And then there's been screenings, fan screenings all around the globe. And I actually had the opportunity to go to some of these screenings and see Shang-Chi. It's such a disappointment, but I was too busy and just like COVID and stuff. So I wasn't able to go. But a lot of critics I really like and a lot of people I listen to and follow and respect their opinions got to go see Shang-Chi. So I thought might as well read you some of the early reactions and we can see what people are thinking about this movie. So let's start with John Campia. I mentioned him a lot on this channel because he's kind of an inspiration to me. He's one of my favorite movie YouTubers. While I don't agree with everything he says, I think he's a really smart guy and I think he knows how to communicate his opinion and explain his opinion really, really well. So I watched his first reaction to Shang-Chi and he basically said it was amazing. He said it was his favorite comic book movie since Logan. And he said he absolutely loved it. Now let's read some of the other ones too. So that first, when I hear him saying that, that gets me the most excited because he's someone I really expect. And the fact that he's saying it's one of his favorite ones or his favorite comic book movie since Logan gets me so excited. Now comicbook.com's Brandon Davis said, Hashtag Shang-Chi's awesome. The movie hits hits all that Marvel does well, pacing, humor, character, and adds action like we've never seen from the MCU before. Lots of people are about to have a new favorite Marvel hero. Darker than expected, loads of fun, integral to Marvel Phase 4. So Brandon Davis, of course, is very well known. I like him a lot. He's, a, he's an awesome guy, but his review doesn't tell me much because he does love everything Marvel. He's more fan than critic, in my opinion. So then next up, fandom's Eric Goldman said, I really dug Shang-Chi. There's a lot not in the trailers, and it has its own vibe and distinct elements that make it stand out and feel not like a standard origin story, and Simu Liu makes for an awesome hero. The Hollywood Reporter's Aaron Couch said, The Shang-Chi crowd was the most enthusiastic I've been with since Endgame. I couldn't hear some of the post credit scene dialogue due to cheering. Shang and Katie are instant MCU all-stars. Then we've got the raps, Umberto Gonzalez saying, Shang-Chi was a blast, actually Marvel's first true family movie that has lots of heart, lots of fun, great fight choreography and likable characters galore. Collider Steve Wintraub said, Shang-Chi is like no Marvel movie you've seen. Love that it literally opens the door to a new world that I can't wait to see more of. Simu Liu literally kicks so much ASS and he's perfectly cast. Got to see it in IMAX tonight and this is how you want to see it looked and sounded perfect. Okay, so let's read like two more. Drew Taylor of Vanity Fair and Sci-Fi Wire said Shang-Chi is an absolute triumph, unexpectedly spiritual and emotionally complex with some of the very best action in the MCU. 
Simu Liu is your new favorite Avenger, and the movie's myriad influences, everything from Jackie Chan to Miyazaki, will pay off big time. Astounding. And then our last one for today that I'm going to read is Hollywood Critic Association member Wendy Lee. And she said, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is phenomenal. Get hyped. Even fight scene slash action sequence. I believe she meant every fight scene slash action sequence is better than the last. Simu Liu fully embraces the Marvel superhero role. Amazing imagery, killer soundtrack. You'll want to see this on the big screen. So everyone seems to be absolutely loving this movie. Now, keep in mind, these are early reviews. Early reviews for any movie are always positive unless the movie is downright trash. So I'm expecting this movie, maybe not to be a masterpiece, to have some flaws, but I am expecting it to be really good because early reviews do still tell you something. And you can sometimes... You can read in an early review if it says, this movie is a lot of fun. This movie is just what we need right now. It's so much fun. Then the movie will probably be pretty bad. But then if the early review is something like this, then it it's, it sounds pretty good. So I think this is going to be great. I cannot wait for Shang-Chi. These early reviews got me way more excited because I felt like it felt like whenever the president of Marvel, Kevin Feige, did an interview, he would really stress, he would talk about Eternals the most. So it led me to believe Black Widow will be good and Shang-Chi will be good. But Eternals is going to be the one to look out for. But it sounds like Shang-Chi is going to be really good. So looking forward to that. I've got two more things to mention for this news roundup. First of all is CinemaCon. This is where CinemaCon is where studios have like each have like a two hour long presentation and they debut trailers. They show footage to get people excited for the movies they have coming to the theaters. And a lot of this footage is going to stay exclusive to CinemaCon, but they might debut some trailers which will appear online afterwards. So next week, I'm expecting to be pretty crazy for trailers. And including Monday is the Sony Sony uh, presentation. And I would not be surprised if they debut a No Way Home trailer. And I believe the presentation is at like 9 a.m. Pacific time. So be on the lookout from like 9 to 12 Pacific time Monday morning. Because I believe if there's going to be a No Way Home trailer in the next couple weeks, I believe that's when it's going to debut. Um and then I'm assuming the people there will definitely get some footage of the Batman. I don't think it's going to be made public, but they'll get to see some of the Batman. They'll get to see some Top Gun Maverick, some Mission Impossible, some John Wick, probably some Dune um, and whatever. There's so many other movies. So I'm expecting a lot of trailers next week, a lot of great stuff coming to us, and then a lot of information about the stuff that was shown exclusively to the people there. Um, so look out for that. I'll definitely talk about whatever happens in the next news roundup. There was also a rumor that there's going to be a Hawkeye trailer next week. I don't know with CinemaCon and most likely, not most likely, but possibly a No Way Home trailer. I don't know if they would want to also debut a Hawkeye trailer, but could be interesting. Something to keep an eye out for. Um, yeah. And then our final topic for this news roundup is some updates on the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit. Now, these don't really relate to the movies. These relate to the lawsuit. And the reason I'm bringing these up is because if you're like me, you find this supremely fascinating and I'm just really interested to see what's going on and what's happening. This stuff is more legal stuff. This isn't stuff. This isn't my area of expertise. I'm not a lawyer. I haven't studied law. Um, so I'm not going to try to give you my analysis and what I think is going to happen. I'm going to read you the news and then that's pretty much it because I really can't break this down. This isn't my area of expertise. But here's what happened. I'm going to tell you what happened. Daniel Petrocelli, an attorney for Disney, made a filing on Friday claiming Disney had not broken their contract with Scarlett. 
he argued that Black Widow was guaranteed a wide theatrical release, and that's what it got. That's true. Petrocelli argued that nowhere in the contract did it say that the film's release had to be exclusively theatrical. This is kind of the crux of the whole lawsuit, the wording of the contract, if it's as exclusive or not. But he's arguing that it did not say exclusive, so they didn't break contract. He also brought up that Black Widow's made a lot of money, especially considering it was released in the middle of a pandemic and Disney released the numbers. So Disney released, it made like 120 million, uh, 125 million on streaming uh, in like, I believe it was like 500 something million in total, um, which is pretty good for the pandemic, but not as much as I think it would have done if it was exclusively in theaters. So rather than go at it in the courts, Petrocelli wanted to force the case into arbitration, which means find another way to settle the lawsuit, uh, preferably quietly and confidentially. And Disney also apparently agreed to add the streaming receipts to the box office total, which would increase Johansson's back end, despite that not being in the original contract. So that's what Petrocelli did. But then in the filing, he also released a statement which called Scarlett Johansson out for suing Disney and not just Marvel, for suing Disney, not just Marvel, which he called a futile effort to evade this unavoidable result and generate publicity through a public filing, and he called it gamesmanship. In Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit, the filing, the claim is worded in a way where Scarlett is suing Disney for forcing Marvel to put Blackwood on Disney+, Plus, rather than just directly suing Marvel for putting Blackwood on Disney+. Plus. I, my original thought was the reason that she was suing Disney for forcing Marvel was because she didn't want to sever her relationship with Marvel because she really likes and respects Kevin Feige. She really likes the creative team there, the leadership there. Um, and I still think that's why. But uh, this guy, Petrocelli, is saying it's because, because she'll, she knows she'll lose. But I don't think that's, that's the case. But I don't know. I'm not an expert. So then in response to that, John Berlinski, who was the attorney for Scarlet. Um, responded to the filing, um, and he responded with this statement, and I quote, after initially responding to this litigation with a misogynistic attack against Scarlett Johansson, Disney is now predictably trying to hide its misconduct in a confidential arbitration. Why is Disney so afraid of litigating this case in public? Because it knows that Marvel's promises to give Black Widow a typical theatrical release, like its other films, that's in quotes, like its other films, had everything to do with guaranteeing that Disney wouldn't cannibalize box office receipts in order to boost Disney Plus descriptions. Yet that is exactly what happened, and we look forward to presenting the overwhelming evidence that proves it. What interests me about this response is that it seems to be saying that in the contract, it said that in the contract, original Scarlet Johansson contract, it said that Black Widow would get a theatrical release, quote, like its other films, like Marvel's other films. And I think if that's the wording in the contract, doesn't that, my understanding is that that is making a really strong case for Scarlet side because like its other films obviously means exclusive, but, um, but it's super interesting. So that's all I have to say. This is all legal stuff that I don't study and I'm not qualified to comment on that much. I gave you what I can say, what I, what I think, but I'm really not an expert. I don't know. I'm, I've been listening to experts, but I'm not one. Um, but I just wanted to let you know what's been happening because it's super interesting. It's fascinating to me. I, I'm very interested in this kind of stuff, and um, I'm just super curious to see how it turns out. So that's our news roundup for today. 
Um, thank you to everyone for listening. Please let me know what you think of all this news um, by leaving feedback. Now, there's a couple of ways you can do that. There's a form in the description where you can submit a question, a topic, a topic of conversation, a, your feedback, your thoughts, a theory about a show or movie or anything you want, um, a request or something you'd like us to change, any feedback for us, anything, you can submit that in the form of the description. And um, that'll be something Chris and I will read out on the show and talk about. You can also leave a comment on YouTube. You all know how to do that. You can also leave, if you have a longer thoughts, um, there's an email in the description. You can email us and we'll read out your thoughts on the show and address them. Or if it's easier for you to speak, you can leave a voicemail by using the link in the description. So thank you everyone for listening. Let me know what you think of this um, and have a good day.